and welcome to episode 40 of the Burt's Books podcast. This week has been a fairly average week, nothing of any great importance to to, to tell you about. Uh, but I've still, you know, been sending out books, taking in orders. I feel like uh, Christmas, I know, I know we said it's a bit too soon, but I'm saying it, Christmas is coming. I've had a few people starting some really big orders so I feel like maybe I should start my Christmas shopping soon as well. I have also of course been reading some books this week and I've got some reviews for you uh, as well as a uh, new round of the Page Master quiz, an update on the charts and some very exciting news which I teased earlier this week on Twitter. All of that is coming up on the other side of this music. First up this week is The Betrayals by Bridget Collins. Uh, let's just go straight into the blurb. If everything in your life was based on a lie, would you risk it all to tell the truth? At Montvier, an exclusive academy tucked away in the mountains, the best and brightest are trained for excellence in the Grand Jeu, an arcane and mysterious contest. Leo Martin was once a student there, but lost his passion for the Grand Jeu following a violent tragedy. Now he returns in disgrace, exiled to his old place of learning with his political career in tatters. Montevieux has changed since he studied there, even allowing a woman, Claire Dryden, to serve in the Grand Jew's highest office of Magister Ludi. When Leo first sees Claire, he senses an odd connection with her, though he's sure they have never met before. Both Leo and Claire have built their lives on lies. And, as the legendary Midsummer Game, the climax of the year, draws closer, secrets are whispering in the halls. First off, we have to address my pronunciations. And, uh, yeah, I there are many, many French terms within this. Um, I, it, it doesn't ever explicitly say, but it's, it's fairly clear it's set in France. Um... And they, yeah, I'm just, I've never learnt French. We did German in my school, so uh, I just have no idea what all the little accents and stuff mean. So I apologise if I have said something completely wrong. Now, if you read The the Binding, also by uh, Bridget Collins, you will know that it was set in sort of an indeterminate time. Uh, And that is kind of the same with the betrayals. It does speak of motor cars, etc. But it doesn't really go into huge amounts of detail as to when it might be set. To me, it feels like it's probably 1920s, 1930s. Uh, but I said similar, I, I came up with something for the binding in terms of a time period and other people have said to me, oh, I felt it was much later. So uh, who knows? It could be 60s, 50s. It, it probably isn't any later than that because there's no mention of any kind of computer, any kind of phone, um, mobile phone that is. Uh, well, in fact, no mention of actually uh, any other phone in this. So, yeah, it's it's... 
I wouldn't say it was later than the 30s, personally. Now, with the binding, you will know that it was about two gay men, or rather a relationship between two men that um, was taken away or, or hidden from them both. And therefore hidden from the reader. So I know, again, people who didn't know from the beginning that the, that the binding was about this, this gay love story. And I have always prided, my, prided myself on having quite a good gaydar. Uh, and I'd spotted that in the binding. Now, in the betrayals, I don't want to reveal too much. Uh, but it's there again. You can spot it. But to me, something didn't feel right. And I couldn't work out if that was because the author, um, a woman, couldn't write a gay man uh, in this context. Um, or if there was something more going on. I will reveal that actually she can write gay men. We know this because of the bindings. So there must be something else going on. And it didn't feel as intense as Spinding. But there's certainly a heartbreak within this book. Uh, and it's called The Betrayals, but I would say it's more about misunderstandings and just miscommunication to people. They These are characters that don't reveal to each other the truth and so they kind of waste their lives so let's just go into a bit more detail so we 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 see it from the point of view of three different characters we've got leo we've got magister ludi ludi i don't know and we've got the rat and actually the rat is the first one we meet the rat is living in the walls of this castle montverry um, that's spelled M-O-N-T-V-E-R-R-E. -E. I don't know if that's Monteverre, Montverre. I'm going to give up trying to pronounce these. So in this big old castle in the mountains, this rat, uh, she calls herself, is living in the walls and living off scraps. We don't really know how she's come to be there at this point. We also see it from... Leo's point of view. Leo has a little thing above his E. So I'm assuming that's Leo rather than Leo. So that's what I'm going with. Now he is, we actually see it from his point of view in two different ways. The first is as an adult and he has disgraced himself in the party. The party isn't specifically named, um, but it seems to be quite a powerful one, one that is um, wanting to change things for the worse in general for most of the population of whatever country we're in, probably France, but also for the better of the ruling elite. Leo has started to think that maybe they're going too far, so he is exiled from his role in the Ministry of Culture back to Montferre. Um, basically, they, they just keep him out of the way. Uh, and then we also see his school days where his friendship with Emile and Felix leads to his sort of rivalry with Carfax and the way that they are forced together 
him and Carfax to create this joint game. Then we see Magister Ludi, who uh, she is the first female Magister at Montverde, and she is uh, sort of struggling to keep things civil between her and Leo. She's clear there's something they don't like each other. And um, but the reasons for her not liking him that they they aren't apparent at first. Then let's talk about the game. I don't really know what the game is. It's never really described. It it feels like it could be a piece of music, maybe a performance of some kind. Uh, it, so when uh, we we witness one game in theory, although we don't. We don't. It's never described. It's more the reactions of the people in the audience are described. But the but Ludi, Magister Ludi, Claire Dryden. She doesn't bring anything with her, so she has no notes, um, but also no instrument of any kind. So whether it's a dance or a a song, I, I'm not clear. Uh, it it feels like it might be a a dance set to a piece of music. Uh, but it's never really clear. It also talks in in terms of worship. But it's not really important, I guess. The important thing is the lies that Carfax tells to Leo, that Leo tells to Carfax, that Leo tells to Magister Ludi, that she tells to him, and how they all grow and coincide and create this kind of heartbreaking yet inevitable conclusion uh, I, I'm not really going to say much more than that because I feel like it might ruin the, the story suffice it to say I did enjoy it uh, I don't think it was as good as the binding I don't I didn't really feel the intensity uh, uh, that I felt with them with the, with the characters in that but I do think that she has created uh, some brilliant characters in Leo, in Carfax, and in Magister Ludi. One other final thought is that I suddenly realised about halfway through that I was picturing Rishi Sunak as Leo, which is quite disturbing. It, it feels like that is... I have possibly watched too much news, too much politics, when I start picturing these uh, politicians in, in our fiction. Uh, the binding is available now, but the betrayals, which I meant to say, is uh, not available until November. But you can pre-order it now, and I am getting an exclusive independent bookseller edition that uh, will be signed and comes with an exclusive bookmark. So uh, I'm looking forward to being able to share those with you. You can pre-order that now. Just head to birdsbooks.co.uk. My guest this week on Page Master Quiz is Louise. Louise, tell us where you are and what you do. Uh, I'm in Nottingham and I am an audio typist and I look after my kids when I'm not doing that. What's an audio typist? Um, I type stuff that people say um, as quickly as possible and then send it back to them perfectly transcribed. It, it's my one skill. I'm very quick. <laughs> Brilliant. So do you read a lot then as well? 
I do, yeah. Anytime uh, I'm not doing all the other things. Actually, no, I read while I'm looking after the kids. So I'm very irresponsible. <laughs> Wonderful. As long as, uh, as long as somebody's got half an eye on them, they're fine. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they're all right. <laughs> you will get a Burt's Books pin badge just for taking part. But if you are at the okay. top of the leaderboard by December, you'll be in the running to win £100 worth of books. And there isn't that long to go until December. We've only got four or five rounds left. And at the moment, the person in sixth place, well, actually joint fifth, is Cormac and Jane on 11 and a half points. So that's your target. Okay. Uh, you're going to get 10 questions, and each question is worth one point and five seconds in the final round. In the final round, you're going to get the choice of two categories, and you'll be asked to name as many books, authors, or characters applied to that category as you can. If you're ready, we will begin. Question one. Cats the Musical was based on Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by which author? Um, oh, I don't know. Enid Blyton, maybe. T.S. Eliot. Question two. Can you tell me what the T or the S stands for in T.S. Eliot? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Thomas? Thomas is correct. His second, uh, the S stands for Stearns, but Thomas was all I needed, so well done. Question three. Which of these authors was not born in the 19th century? Agatha Christie, George Orwell, or Ernest Hemingway? I'm gonna go for uh, George Orwell. George Orwell is the correct answer. Question four. Which comedian turned author has written books called Parent Agency, Head Kid, and Birthday Boy? David Baddiel. Correct. Question five. What is the name of the third book in the His Dark Materials trilogy by Philip Pullman? Okay, um, Northern Light. It's the one I haven't read. The Subtle Knife? Uh, the subtle is that knife the middle one? Book. It's the Amber Spyglass. Yeah, the spyglass. Question six. Eric Carle wrote which best-selling book about a creature that eats and eats and eats? Uh, the Hungry Caterpillar. The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Correct. Very Hungry. Question seven. What does the I stand for in ISBN? Internet? No. Oh, it's very close. It's international. So it's... Oh. A International Standard Book Number. I thought you had it then. Question eight. Which nationwide bookseller has headquarters in London and Swindon? Nationwide book... Waterstones? W.H. Smith. Question nine. The Kite Runner was Khalid Hassini's debut novel. But can you tell me the name of any of his other novels? A Thousand Splendid Sons. Perfect. Sons, or you could have had And the Mountains Echoed, or Sea Prayer. 
Which year saw the publication of Dolores Claiborne by Stephen King, The Pelican Brief by John Grisham, and The Dead Beat by Val McDermott? I'm not very good on years, really. I'm terrible at this. I'm going to say 1992. Not very good at years, but very good at guessing because that was spot on. Um, really? Ninety-two. <laughs> Uh, so you got six out of ten correct, which is a very strong start. You just need five and a half in the final round, and you've got 30 seconds in which to, to do it. So I think you will have a very good chance. Now, I have got some envelopes here, not very many left, uh, but I will pick two of them for you, and you can decide which category you would like to go for. Okay. What category are you hoping might come up? Um, something quite broad, I suppose, like, um, I don't know, books I've read. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, anything quite, quite broad will do. I don't know. Right. Well, I've got for you oh, RD or just R. Um, Go on then, go for R, I think, just R. Okay, Louise, you have chosen R, so you have 30 seconds from the moment that I finish speaking to tell me as many authors beginning with R as you can. This is a last- Is that first or second name, last name? Uh, Rowling, um, Reed, Raoul, um, there's got to be a Riley out there somewhere, <laughs> um, Rogers, oh, I don't know, oh, Riggs. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Goes really quickly. So you said no. Why aren't I in a library? <laughs> Should have been in a library, would have been easier. Uh, you said six. Um, I will check them to see if they are all authors, but I think they all are. I think you've got Rainbow, yeah, yeah. Rainbow Rowell, J.K. Rowling, there's bound to be a read there. Lucinda Riley, they all count. So uh, that gives you 12 points in total, which puts you in fifth place on the leaderboard. Well done. Thank you. So hopefully, you will be still with us in December and uh, you could be in the running to win £100 worth of books. Well done to Louise. She makes it into the top six and she pushes Cormac and Jane into joint sixth place. So that means we have seven people in the final rounds at the moment. There aren't many uh, places left in the tournament. In fact, I have just four envelopes left here so if you want to take part drop me an email on bert at bertsbooks.co.uk now i teased earlier in the week on twitter that i had something exciting to tell you about and that exciting thing is the arenda books subscription so you can head over to bertsbooks.co.uk and you can sign up to the arenda book subscription uh, it's the same price as the other subscription, so it's £8.99 for one book, uh, or it's £15 for two. And you will then receive every Arenda Books 
book that is published so that you will never miss out. Now, I have done this because Arenda are just one of the best publishers out there. I have never read a book by them that I didn't love. So what sort of books could you be getting? Well, obviously last week I talked about There's Only One Danny Garvey. We've also had from them Six Stories, the Six Stories series by Matt Vasilowski. Coming up is The Coral Bride by Roxanne Bouchard. Paul Burston and his book has been in there. We've had Louise Beach as well. And so many, many more. They are nominated. They've been shortlisted for the 2019 Crime Dagger Award. They've also been shortlisted for the 2020 Crime Dagger Award, which we will find out if they win this week. I'm also working with the lovely, lovely Karen on some other exciting things to come. And Karen is fully on board with the Arenda Book subscription. They are about to launch a new website that will include links to it. And they're going to look at providing some extra special things for you. Uh, So if you sign up, you might receive a couple of extra nice postcards from the country of the translated fiction, if there's some translated fiction that week. Uh, You might just get a nice bit of chocolate. You won't, now I can't guarantee you'll get something extra every month, but uh, yeah, it's the Arenda Books subscription in partnership with Arenda Books, and you can sign up to it right now over at birthsbooks.co.uk. My second book this week is Birthday by Meredith Russo. It's one that a couple of uh, customers have bought from Burt's Books that I was quite intrigued by. It's on the front cover, it's just birthday, big black letters, and then a candle. And the candle itself has the colours of the rainbow uh, pride flag sort of spiralled around it. And it says on the front, a love story, 18 years in the making. The side is the same spiral. It's actually been sprayed edges with the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple down the side. So that's quite a nice little touch. And the blurb says this. Meet Eric and Morgan, born on the same day, at the same time, in the same place. They've always shared this one day together, but as they grow up, they begin to grow apart. Everyone expects Eric to get a football scholarship, but no one knows he's having second thoughts. Former quarterback Morgan feels utterly alone, as she wrestles with the difficult choice to live as her true self. Both of them are struggling to be the person they know they are. Who better to help than your best friend? So this book actually starts out with Morgan and Eric on their 12th birthday, I think it is. And they are at the swimming pool with their families. It's the year after Morgan's mum has died. So it's the first, it's Morgan's first birthday without her. And Morgan decides that this is the time to tell Eric, uh, her best friend, that she is trans. She is not the boy that they all think she is. She is, in fact, a girl. Eric, on the other hand, is kind of oblivious to this, to Morgan's attempts to tell him this. And actually, it fails the first time. And what's quite interesting is you see this from both points of view. So you see... Eric's family sort of driving away from the pool and his older brother sort of teasing Eric about his 
uh, a you know, faggy little friend, as he puts it. And you've then got Morgan with his father, and both of them are clearly struggling to cope without the mother and, and the wife. Morgan's father is the coach of the football team. Eric's father is a very sort of angry man. We don't really see much of him, but we see the effect he has on his family. Eric's family is falling apart. He takes them after a football game to a diner where his elder brother is working at the time. So it's it's quite embarrassing for the elder brother and you know it's not a nice thing for a father to do to have this big nice family meal and be served by another member of the family what i found interesting about it is i'm not a trans person i've never really had any friends who are and so it's a, it's a world that although i have much sympathy for them i don't really know or understand the struggles that they go through. I think it's a very difficult thing to know that you are born in the wrong body. And I think it's very difficult for those of us who were born in the right body to understand what that feels like. As a gay man, uh, LGBTQ community is, is sort of all bundled together. And actually this book really underscores why. Because Morgan knows that she is a girl. There's no doubt in her mind. When you're gay, you grow up knowing that you are different from everyone else. You, it's something that you are just aware of. And you know that you fancy boys. At the age of 9 or 10, 11, when you're starting to develop those sort of awareness of the opposite sex for most people that's when gay men lesbian women that's when they realize that they that you know it's the same as everyone else so those kids that have girlfriends or boyfriends at school or play uh you know pretend marriage they are really exploring their sexuality and it's the same for gay men and lesbian women in that you know. You might try and deny it, you might think that you're wrong. And what's interesting is you do grow up thinking, is there something wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? Am I... And, and you, you think of everything, should I... Am I supposed to... Am I a girl? Because people call you that, you know, they call you all sorts of things. Uh, but am I a girl? And actually, no, I knew I wasn't. I knew I wasn't a girl. I knew I was gay. And in the same way, this is really underscored that in that Morgan knows that she's a straight woman. And really interestingly, you see from the opposite side of things, Eric is developing feelings for Morgan. And Morgan's got long hair, uh, very nice eyes, apparently. And... One day, as a child, she falls from a tree and uh, sort of Morgan, uh, Eric rushes over and checks on her. And she is suddenly very pretty and attractive to Eric. And Eric is then, he, he sort of remembers this throughout his life and he catches glimpses of Morgan looking very pretty. And he struggles to understand whether he's gay or not. Uh, because 
he fancies women. But there's something about Morgan that he really, really likes. His reaction when he finds out, when Morgan finally tells him, is wonderful. It's the sort of reaction that anyone would hope for. But Morgan herself goes through more, more difficulty, you know, trying to work out her place in life because actually she thinks, well, if I can't, I, I can't tell anyone, so I should embrace this uh, male life. And this is a story about as toxic masculinity as it is about anything else. I, I hasten to say this, but she, she doesn't face much in the way of opposition to her declaration that she is a, a woman and that she's going to go through transgender therapy everything that the large part of it is is self-imposed she doesn't talk to anyone and she cuts all her hair off and she really bulks up and becomes part of the football team it's all self-imposed in theory i mean it's all it's all pressures from society but nobody else knows that she's feeling this and this is what her decision to cope with it is and it's only when she speaks up and tells the truth that things start to work out for her. She doesn't really face... We don't see anything in terms of bullying. Uh, we don't see pe- people rejecting her. Uh, apart from maybe Eric's dad. He is sort of the main antagonist of this story in theory. Because he represents everything that is wrong with masculine culture and it's really a story about that about how both of them both of these people uh, Eric and Morgan are growing up and are not being what society is expecting of them Birthday is a YA novel it's it's written for and about young people but actually it's a story that I think we can all get something out of. But being a YA novel, it won't take you long to read. And I really think that you should. Uh, It's called Birthday. It's by Meredith Russo. And it is available to order now. It's time for the charts. And I said it earlier, Christmas is coming. And the charts are now starting to reflect that. Because of the three new releases this week, two of them have Christmas in their title. The first of which is Christmas Shopaholic by Sophie Kinsella. Becky Brandon, née Bloomwood, adores Christmas. It's always the same, mum and dad hosting, carols playing, mum pretending she made the Christmas pudding, and the next door neighbours coming round for sherry in their terrible festive jumpers. And now it's even easier with online bargain shopping sites. If you spend enough, you even get free delivery. Just pause that here. You always get free delivery at Burt's Books if you live in the UK. Back to the blurb. Sorted, but this year looks set to be different. Unable to resist the dr- unable to resist the draw of craft beer and smashed avocado, Becky's parents are moving to ultra trendy Shoreditch and have asked Becky if she'll host Christmas this year. What could possibly go wrong? With sister Jess demanding a vegan turkey, husband Luke determines that he just wants aftershave again, and little Minnie insisting on a very specific picnic hamper. Surely Becky can manage all this, as well as the surprise appearance of an old boyfriend and his pushy new girlfriend, whose motives are far from clear. Will chaos ensue, or will Becky manage to bring comfort and joy to Christmas? 
A less Christmassy title next, it's Silka's Journey by Heather Morris. In 1942, Silka Klein is just 16 years old when she is taken to Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp. The com- commandant at Birkenau, Schwartz Huber, notices her long beautiful hair and forces her separation from the other women prisoners. Silka learns quickly that power, even unwillingly given, equals survival. After liberation, Silka is charged as collaborator by the Russians and sent to a desolate, brutal prison camp in Siberia known as Vorkuta, inside the Arctic Circle. Innocent, imprisoned once again, Silka faces challenges both new and horribly familiar. Each day a battle for survival. Silka befriends a woman doctor and learns to nurse the ill in the camp, struggling to care for them under unimaginable conditions. And, when she tends to a man called Alexander, Silka finds that despite everything, there is room in her heart for love. And finally, another Christmas book, uh, though quite different to the other two, 19th Christmas by James Patterson. Christmas is coming, but crime never stops for the Women's Murder Club. Sergeant Lindsay Boxer is looking forward to spending time with her family over the holidays. But when she receives a tip-off that the biggest heist ever to hit San Francisco is being planned for Christmas Day, everything changes. The architect of the ambitious attack unleashes chaos across the city, laying traps and false alarms to distract Linda, Lindsay and the SFPD from his ultimate goal. As time runs out, will Lindsay be able to save the people of, the San, Fran- of San Francisco from a Christmas they'd never forget? Will any of these three books make it to number one, or will last week's record-breaking book, This Is Me by Mrs Hink, keep hold of number one position? There is, as ever, only one way to find out, and that is by using data source from Nielsen Bookscan's total consumer market panel chart. At ten, new in, it's Silker's Journey by Heather Morris. Seven Ways by Jamie Oliver is down two to nine, and it's another new entry at number eight with Christmas Shopaholic from Sophie Kinsella. James Patterson and 19th Christmas is our highest new entry at seven. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse is up two places to six, and The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman is down three to five. Mary Berry's Simple Comforts is no move at four. Also no move at three is A Song for Our Dark Times by Ian Rankin. Up four places to two, it's A Life on Our Planet by David Attenborough, which means at number one for a second week running is This Is Me by Mrs Hinch. Now I said last week that even if she halved her sales, she would probably still end up at number one. She did more than that. She lost nearly 70,000 units and is still there at number one. But it's not very far ahead of the others. So I think we might just see a new number one next week. With most of the big new releases out now, uh, it will be a surprise if it's a brand new title or whether it's just one of the existing titles a life on our planet could uh, get there so find out next week what is number one by listening to the birds books podcast well that is everything for this week thank you as ever for listening to me waffle on do check out birdsbooks.co.uk if you need a new book and in the meantime i would love to hear from you about anything book related get in touch on social media at birdsbooks or via email but at birdsbooks.co.uk that is also the place to go if you want to take part in next week's page master quiz and please do rate review subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast it really does mean a 
a lot to me when I see those statistics going up of how many people are listening. Now I am off to do a few deliveries across Swindon so uh, I'm going to get my postman packed hat on. I will speak to you next week. <laughs>